Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Breaking in Kane on a two-on-one break over the wing line. Kane to the left circle, pulls up, holds, fires, he scores! Number 400 for Patrick Kane! It's time for Blackhawk 720, your insider key to the Hawks. Kaner's been here for all those cups, and this guy's the face of our team, and he always seems to get that big goal for us. Take the Blackhawks to go. Blackhawk 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, podcast royalty. Hi, everyone. It's been a while, but here we are on a new Blackhawk 720 podcast. Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio. And Joe Brand, back to calling baseball now, huh? Yeah. Back to calling baseball. How's that feeling? Uh, Yeah, knocked off the dust on the uh, old scorebook last weekend as uh, UIC opened up their home season. Yeah, it was uh, it was a breath of fresh air. Definitely needed it. Definitely missed it. And uh, Flames took the first two, lost the next two, but uh, got got off to a good home start to the season. And just good to see baseball. I think I think we might have been the first baseball game in the city since the pandemic. Really, to have fans. Oh, okay. Because it was it was a small select group of the baseball team and the Flames athletic staff. But yeah, I think I think the only one in the city since. Well, two and two is better than the Blackhawks have fared since That's we last true. did a uh, podcast, <laughs> and uh, they split the two games in uh, in Dallas since uh, we last visited with you all. Uh, but then went down to Florida, and the Panthers continue to be a problem for the Blackhawks as we record here on Tuesday afternoon, following the uh, loss on Monday night. Joe Quenville and company beating the Blackhawks by a final score of six to three, and especially kind of painful with the fact that the Hawks did break out to a 3-1 lead in that game. Things were looking good midway through the second period and all changed very quickly. Uh, we know this Panthers team has definitely made a habit of, of coming back on opponents, especially here recently, and that's exactly what they did against the Blackhawks. But Joe, I think the, the disappointing thing uh, for the Hawks here is, uh, yes, we knew this was going to be a challenging stretch, but the things that had made the Hawks so successful or helped make them so successful up until this, you know, calendar flipped until March, the, the special teams and you know, the goaltending, although the goaltending is less to blame, but uh, those things have, have gone away against the, this caliber of opponent. And they especially jumped up and, uh, and bit the Blackhawks on, uh, on Monday night with the power play going over, giving up one. And then uh, the penalty kill really continuing to struggle. Yeah, yeah, it's almost seemed like everything's maybe just dialed back slightly, and with a young team that's still basically fine to find their way and figure out what type of team they are identity-wise, that's not what you need to see, that's not what you want to see, and that's not what's going to help you win games. At the beginning of the year, after that you know, little spurt that they had to begin the season, they were winning games even if they weren't out playing the other team. And at other times they were, you know, forcing overtime in, in games that they were playing better than the other team. But more importantly, they were just able to coast or just able to do enough to get the results that they were looking for, even if the whole product wasn't there. And I think you're starting to see this team just come back down a little bit to earth right now. And I don't think 
that means to hit the panic button. I think it's like Kevin Lankinen said, it shows how hard it is to win in this league. And more importantly, win consistently when you're a young team like this and you're going up against uh, very high-powered teams that can turn it on with a flip of a switch and once they feel that momentum can ride with it and can make it very difficult for the Blackhawks to come back from it. By the way, we are uh, broadcasting, we are recording here from Plankton's Pilsen podcast pad and and uh, by the way, your wife, uh, Plankton is agreeing with everything we're saying so far. Yes. Nibbling on a little bit of cardboard as well as long as he doesn't <laughs> jump on the computer and stop our recording once again. But by the way, uh, before we proceed, uh, your wife came up with the perfect, the perfect nickname for Plankton. Yeah, the other day she just making dinner too. We weren't talking about the Blackhawks. We weren't talking about the podcast at all. She just goes, "Why don't you call him the Podcat?" And I said, "That is the most." Beautiful thing I've ever heard you say, and I don't know how I didn't think of that on my own, but yes, you are absolutely right. So now going forward, uh, when we are here, he will be dubbed the podcast. The podcast, yeah. Uh, who's who's supposed to be the creative minds in radio <laughs> yeah, right? here? No, that one, that one totally, totally biased. Of course, no one in our listening audience came up with that either. They True. certainly could have, but... Uh, yeah, just uh, a moment of brilliance there from the wife once again. So uh, the, the podcast is, is in fact, joining us. Um, Jeremy Carlton uh, was especially reserved. We're not going to hear from Jeremy from post-game on Monday night just because the the, the quality uh, of his Zoom session, uh, not that they're always all great, but uh, his was particularly a little bit uh, fuzzy and low. Um, but I think that kind of characterized what his what his mood was after after that six three loss. Uh, kind of disappointed, and uh, you know we're talking about the things that have made this team successful. Uh, the baseline that he expects um, in terms of uh, compete level and uh, battling, uh, have, having that as the baseline and and the the bare minimum of what he expects from this team and, and as part of their mo, he thought that was missing a little bit. And when you're going up against other teams, uh, the kind of teams that the Blackhawks now find themselves facing, especially this month, that uh, are deeper, uh, quite frankly, have more talent at this at this point than this current Blackhawks roster does. That doesn't mean the the, the Hawks, you know, ceiling or capabilities with uh, a lot of these guys on this squad right now. Uh, don't have the capabilities of becoming very good, but Florida is already right there, and uh, you could sense his disappointment um, in that baseline not being there, especially after they they got ahead three one, and it's it's those old turning points that Troy always brings up on the air, and that has been a bugaboo of this team for most of the season, um, going up a goal or two, or in some cases even three, and not being able to put your foot on the opponent's neck and and close things out. That's been a challenge, and it was again on Monday night, too. I think one of the biggest pet peeves for Jeremy Colleton is just the fact that, you know, right now it kind of seems like the Blackhawks might be losing or might be just missing out on those opportunities to maintain the lead or not give up the lead by preventable mistakes or preventable casualties of the game. I mean, we, there's still issues of bad penalties being taken. There's, you know, the face-offs could be better, the 50-50 battles, and it seemed like Florida was doing such a great job of playing off the boards better than the Blackhawks. And, you know, just those little minor things that most of the time seem like the Blackhawks can get the advantage by just outworking the opponent, and that's what they were doing so well earlier in the year. Uh, Later on, I do want to kind of get into... 
Right now, it seems like this team could really use Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's clearly been the case all year long, but it hasn't been that much exposed because this team has been overperforming. But right now, the things that are the problem could be helped out by having those star players in the lineup right now. So, I mean, any frustrated Blackhawks fan still needs to keep that in the back of their mind, that they are still missing two of their top offensive players right now. Um, but but I, I think it, it continues to be Jeremy Colleton having a good approach on the type of standard he's setting for this team right now and the mentality, and I think that mentality is is bleeding into these players' mindsets, too. Again, Kevin Lankinen saying, you know, this just goes to show you how hard it, how hard it is to win in this league. We had the opportunity to pull away, but we just weren't quite there. Same thing with what Brandon Hagel had to say. So it, it looks like the mentality, the, the premise, everything that this team is working towards is still there. Um, and they're aware of their mistakes, but they're not totally beating themselves up about it they just are holding themselves to a high standard that's not quite getting there just yet I mean right now we talked about it we might see this team hit a lull at some point at some time you would hope that maybe this is just the lull maybe they can come back I know they've got tough opponents with Tampa Bay coming up but Mm -hmm. they showed they can play with Tampa Bay so hopefully they can limit this lull right now to not make it a total spiral downward thing Let's uh, hear from a couple of those guys uh, following the game on on Monday night. Uh, good news for Brandon Hagel is the puck's finally going in the net for him. Two consecutive two consecutive games. Unfortunately, they have come in a couple of losses. The Blackhawks have now dropped four of their last five. That after going on that run in which they won ten of fourteen, and uh, they are remaining at thirty three points, going one and three on the six game trip so far. Nice bounce back effort in Dallas after they uh, lost the first game of the roadie in rather one sided fashion. Uh, but then getting away from them here in these two games in Florida. And guess what? Once they're done with Tampa Bay, the Blackhawks will return home for a six-game homestand. The first team that will greet them will, in fact, be the uh, the Florida Panthers, against whom they are 0-3-1 so far this season. As we mentioned, though, Brandon Hagel uh, getting his second and third goals of the season. And um, one thing that is encouraging, and you'll hear it from him and you'll hear it from Kevin Lankin, and is, is uh, these young guys don't seem, these two rookies don't seem too down or too overwhelmed by the moment. They know what they're facing. Um, uh, you like hearing what they're saying. Now it's a matter of uh, going out and executing some of those things that they need to do. Again, Brandon Hagel, after scoring each of the two games down in Florida, let's hear from him after Monday night's loss. Hey, Brandon, I- obviously with 3-1 lead, you guys must have felt pretty good. What what, what do you feel like changed after that? Uh, I just think they had a little bit more desperation when the game was on the line. I think um, we just got to be do a better job there holding the lead. Um, pushing forward, not playing on our heels. But uh, yeah, what what uh, on their power play? What um, I guess just going up against their power play. What what did you see against them, and what what, what made them so tough today? Yeah, we just uh, I don't know. Couldn't find clear sometimes. Um, need to win a little bit more battles, I think. But uh, I mean, the first one's pretty unlucky off of I don't know two guys in the back for net, but. Uh, yeah, they're just uh, they're good on the power play tonight. Hey, Brandon, you guys have been so good most of the year at bouncing back in the second games and, and having that desperation. Was it disappointing to to get beat out again for the second game in a row and, and not have that urgency that, that they had? Yeah, it's 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 not easy, but uh, like I said, I mean, um, teams go through the stretch. It's we just got to bounce back. I mean, uh, like you said, not many times 
during this year have we uh lost two in a row to uh the same team twice so i mean um learn from it um bounce back we got a, another game in a couple of days here so uh not not too much time to um keep our heads down on this one and just kind of keep moving forward do you notice anything that changed in the middle of the second period yet again tonight uh not really i think uh they just got a couple on us uh I didn't think we were playing terrible, to be honest. I thought uh, we were actually pretty decent. Um, they found to get the puck, found a way to get the puck in the back of the net, and uh, came down to that third period. And they had a, just a little bit more desperation than we did. Hey, Brandon. Obviously, you guys have been really good when you scored the first goal. Um, I think you guys were nine zero and one in your first ten games. But lately, it hasn't. You guys haven't seen the same success. Is it? Is it more self-inflicted wounds? Do you guys feel uh, is the common theme, or is it just this is the level up in competition facing? these teams like Tampa and Florida? Yeah, obviously we have a tough stretch. I think all of us know this, but uh, there's no doubt in our minds that we're right there with these teams. I think um, that's where our heads are at. Um, just a couple nights here that they're just a little bit more desperate than us. And uh, um, we just got to bounce back. Um, but like I said, uh, our team, uh, we believe in ourselves and we believe that we're right there with these guys. So um, a couple tough nights, but uh, I think we get back to it and, uh, like I said, can't, got a couple of games in a couple of days, so um, got to get back to it. Is it nice for you personally to get on the score sheet in back-to-back games and extend that point streak to, to three? Yeah, it's nice, obviously. Um, rather have uh, team winning to go with it, but uh, let's go from there. Thanks. Just one quick one following up on that. Uh, you got inside position on that, uh, on your goal. Is that something that uh, you guys have been looking to do more of? Again, that net more that uh, net front presence. Yeah, definitely. Just beating your guy to the net, um, getting the inside position. Obviously, uh, it's a pretty easy way to score goals when you do that. So, um, happened to hit me and uh, land right right in my feet. So, um, it was nice to get that one though. Brandon Hale continuing to be one of those Blackhawks that uh, is bringing it every night. Uh, that that's certainly his mo. But I'm kind of wondering as well, Joe, you mentioned about how great it would be to have have Taves and Doc in there. And we're going to hear from Doc a little bit later on in the podcast. He did meet with reporters middle of last week. It's been a while since he spoke with them. But now that he is back practicing, it's good to hear from him for the first time. So we didn't want to let that slip away um, since he was uh, available to the media and spoke for the first time since that wrist surgery. But um, that Florida defense, you know, I think I think that's going to be perhaps one of their potential vulnerabilities moving forward. Um, they, have, they have a couple of, of of good guys, but in terms of throwing a uh, you know three uh, three pairs deep, uh, that would have been one area of vulnerability that, that Troy mentioned too. The Hawks, first of all, they needed the puck and losing faceoffs at the rate they are right now, and the rate they've been going for the past month or so. It seems um, they need the puck to the point where. Jeremy Carlton put David Kampf up on the top mm. line yeah. between Alex DeBrinkin and Patrick Kane. If those two guys don't have the puck and whoever is centering them, and granted it's been Suter and Kurashev, a couple of rookies for the most part, uh, they're going through growing pains right now, especially in that particular aspect of their game, learning the league and learning the very best in the world uh, You know, on faceoffs, going up against them and kind of learning the hard way. But it got to the point where... Yeah, David Camp was 
the fourth liner elevated all the way up to the top line in order to hope to get Kane and and uh, Debrink at the puck. And they did end up scoring uh, the first goal of the night on Monday. But Troy mentioned, yeah, th- that Florida depth on their defense. Um, you know, they, they got a couple of great guys out there in, in Ekblad. Yandel's pretty good as well. But Troy wanted to see a lot more of the Blackhawks do work down low in front of the net, cause problems for Bobrovsky, cause problems for that uh, Florida defensive group. It's a different kind of animal that they're going to see in Tampa Bay, but the Blackhawks, A, weren't able to do that. I thought, you know, Bobrovsky, for the most part, had a couple of easy games, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Hawks surely don't have the puck enough, and when they do have the puck, you know, they're, they're not doing those simple things that Jeremy wants them to do, try, try and find a way to get the puck into the zone because one thing Florida did do was, was clog up the middle of the ice fairly well in those two games, and, and the Hawks just you know, did not take advantage of that to the, to the degree they probably could have. And I, I think coming down to it, at least as of right now, where this team is at right now, that uh, one of the reasons that is the case is because they don't have the depth that they normally would have. I mean, when you look at the faceoffs, I mean, Jonathan Taves... Last year was over 57%. So, you know, he's typically your guy that can help out in that category, and especially in the power play. And Jeremy Colleton talked about that in the post game uh, after Monday's game, how just how important that is for special teams. And right now, that's kind of the bugaboo for the Blackhawks right now is their power play not performing. So, okay, there's just one of the simple reasons why you could use uh, Jonathan Taves at his full potential. But, I mean, even. Okay, at the beginning of the year, we saw Philip Kurashev centering in between Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinka. We saw a little flair with that offense. We saw good cohesion, good chemistry, and that's kind of flickered out a little bit. So now more guys have been rotating. I mean, the way and the pace that Kane and Dabrinka are playing at right now, I mean, imagine if Kirby Doc was able to be centered in that line. Mm -hmm. I, I would think that that line would just be flying on all cylinders. Um, you don't know what's going to happen, but this is this was supposed to be the next year for Doc to take a step forward. And I, I know his face-off numbers weren't great last year, but maybe that could play a factor this season too. But I don't want to sound contradictory because I know at the beginning the beginning of the year I was saying that a lot of these young guys might be performing this well because they have these unique roles to take over where they normally wouldn't have. Normally they'd be fighting for a three or a fourth line spot and here they are, you know, getting a lot of consistent playing time because of, you know, who's out for the Blackhawks roster at the moment. So, I still think that's the case, but when you play in an NHL season and you get more towards the middle of the year and the opponent starts to figure you out a little bit more, it's it's tough to keep that consistency. It doesn't mean they can't keep doing it, mm-hmm. but it, it is tough to keep that consistency. And when you don't have the leadership, the veteranism, even though Kirby Doc would only be in his second year this year, I think that's what the Blackhawks might be missing right now. Yeah, and when you're throwing out, uh, you know, basically seven, eight rookies uh, in, in your lineup, you know, including goaltender, uh, per game um they gave us a lot of reason for enthusiasm early in the year and i'm also just wondering now whether okay we reached the halfway point right now and it's a shortened season but these guys experiencing the grind a little bit 
when there's a game every other day for the most part now as we record here this is a, a two-day gap before the blackhawks get back into action thursday at tampa bay so it's probably needed you're not seeing even though he probably wants to jeremy Carlton practicing nearly as much now and i think that's another indicator where the guys need a physical reset a mental reset before these games and him having to decide whether to throw them out there get him on the ice you know perhaps work what could be some tired legs right now or, or legs that are hitting a wall uh, a little bit, um, you know, whether to go out there and work on things or, or keep them off the ice entirely and do your Zoom calls and hope everybody everybody learns from that. Um, we talked about special teams, and now over the past 10 games, the power play just 5 for 29, and we're seeing that sputter a little bit as well, particularly that first unit, uh, which... Uh, you know, tends to be loaded up more, especially with with Kane and Debrinket on there, and now the uh, the penalty kill as well. We we mentioned uh, on our last podcast how it had been slipping, and it was coming off that four power play goal game for Tampa Bay yeah. to wrap up that three game series. Hawks bounce back with uh, you know two straight games um, in the win over Dallas and in the first loss to Florida, in which they did not give up a power play goal, and then they go just one for three on the kill Monday night and give up the shorthanded goal, which ends up being the game-winning goal. So it's it's those exasperating things when, you know, it, it was such a key to their success early on in the season, and now they're having to try and find ways to make up for special teams that aren't nearly as effective either. And it's kind of been the same story from years past, too. I mean, the Blackhawks come out with a good first period and, you know, maintain it okay in the second, but then once the opponent smells that blood in the water, the opportunity to strike, especially when you've got fantastic teams like Carolina and Tampa Bay and, and Florida knowing that you know they have an opportunity to take points away from the Blackhawks, they're, they're probably going to capitalize. So, I mean, how many times last year did we hear Jeremy Colleton talk about playing a full 60 minutes and, and making sure that, that energy and that drive is there for all three periods? And um, it's definitely improved greatly this year but at times especially now in the, in the recent stride the recent slide really uh that's what's kind of faltered and that's hopefully again it doesn't it doesn't get to a point where you keep rolling down the hill so fast and so fluidly you can't slam on the brakes yet kevin lankinen uh, dropped to 10 6 and 4 you we've seen over the course of his last handful of starts there's more pucks getting past him not entirely his fault it doesn't help Either when the penalty kill is struggling, and but then you go back to your old adage that uh, you know your goalie has to be your best penalty killer too. So those things kind of go hand in hand. He's always been fun to listen to since we've gotten to know him here. He was good to listen to even after Monday night's game, even though a little bit more reserved and, and uh, talking possibly for the first time, uh, maybe the first or second time following a loss. Um, and uh, uh, Lankinen, again, uh, falling to 10-6-4. and four. We've seen the goals against average creep up a little bit here lately. The save percentage go down. Uh, here's the Blackhawks' uh, rookie goaltender after the 6-3 loss Monday night. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Uh, this one uh, probably is a, a tough one to take, I would imagine, for you, you guys play well for stretches. Uh, what's your uh, take on what happened tonight? Yeah, I think we played a decent game. Uh, obviously, way better than the the first one. We uh, we battled harder. We had a good forecheck, creating chances. I think uh, it was a good response from us. Obviously, tough one to swallow. But from from where I see it, there is there's two two choices you can make. You can uh, bury your bury your head and feel bad for yourself for just uh, 
learn and uh, keep moving forward. And I think that's what we're going to do and uh, bounce back next game. They've gotten some goals, putting some bodies uh, in, in front of you. Uh, is the screening uh, bothering you or are they just finding different ways uh, for different goals? No, I think it's it's part of the NHL. I mean, a lot of goals are scored scored that way. I think every team has good guys in front of the net, then it makes makes the goalie's life a little hotter. But uh, that's my job to find the puck from from wherever it comes from and and fight to traffic. So I think uh, I need to do a better job with that. But uh, it's part of the learning process too. Hey Kevin, can you just go through the uh, game winner there, the shorthanded goal? Is that one that you thought you were going to glove and it just slipped out and just run through that play for us real quick? Yeah, I haven't seen the replay. I probably should should watch them for that one first before analyzing more. But obviously, um, try to make the first save. Uh, this puck stayed somewhere there, and uh, we weren't able to clear the puck. So, so that one is a tough one for sure. But uh, like I said, I probably need to watch the video first. Okay, and then what do you get? What, what's the biggest thing you guys? You said you need to learn. You know, and keep moving forward. It seems like there's a lot of games here lately that, that you guys have had the lead, a goal, a two-goal lead, even a three-goal lead against Tampa Bay. What 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 can you guys do better to keep these leads from getting away from you, especially so quickly? No, I think it's a good reminder of what it takes to win in this league. Uh, every team is good. It's it's not easy to win, and uh, we we can't let the game slip away for five seconds or five minutes. It, it's going to cost you. And uh, I think we're learning that the hard way now. But uh, like I said, in the long run, I'm sure we will mature. Uh, we will learn from this and we will be an even better team coming up. Hey, Kevin. Uh, obviously, it's been such a, a good year for you overall. But uh, three, or, I mean, four or more goals against three of your last four starts. Has, has this been a, a challenging stretch for, for you personally to, to learn from as well? No, I don't, I don't look at it that way. Sometimes... There's much more in the game than just the score. And I like to look behind the score sometimes because um, you might have a uh, a really good game and you let in three or four goals, just bounces or whatever. So as a goalie, you don't you can't really dwell on numbers that much because uh, that's going to haunt you in the long run. And uh, I think my game is evolving here. I think I'm learning every single time I play against these, these opponents. I will learn from them. I will learn, learn their patterns and uh, just in general getting that experience to play every single night i think that's that's huge and i really embrace it i enjoy being out there i'm i'm having fun every single time i get to get the chance to start so uh i'm working hard in practice i'm working hard in games to do do the best i can and i think as as always and as before uh you just got to work through and the the results will follow is there anything specific you feel like you've learned um, between you know your first start back in January and now? Yeah, there's so, there's so much, so much you can learn. I think uh, I always have a curious mind, and I I try to learn and suck information as as much as possible. So uh, whether it's it's watching the other teams or watching myself in video and going through with with Jimmy Wade, the goalie coach, I think my my game is slowly taking steps to where I want it to be. And uh, I'm sure where, wherever we end up after the season, uh, my game is going to be even better. That's Kevin Lankin. And after the 6-3 loss on, on Monday, he got back-to-back starts even after uh, the loss on Saturday. be interesting to see how 
Jeremy Colleton plays the nutminding picture to wind up this road trip Thursday night in Tampa Bay, and then they come back with a matinee, uh, 3 o'clock start on Saturday that I believe was was bumped up during some of the reschedule, recent rescheduling uh, that the NHL had to do. But I'll throw a couple of other numbers for you. And this just goes to show kind of what we were bracing for. The good stuff was prior to Monday night, the Blackhawks were... 10-1-2 in the second game of back-to-backs against the same opponent, which is which is really impressive. It, it shows you that the coaching staff, the players have a way of um, kind of learning from whether it was a win or a loss in the first encounter there, uh, being able to bounce back uh, in the second game. So they fall to 10-2-2. But the bigger number here that we were all kind of um, dreading and bracing for, it is in fact reality and something that they have to try and, and figure out if they're going to Hold on to this fourth and final playoff spot in the Central. They have dropped to 2-7-3 and three against Tampa Bay, Florida, and Carolina. And granted, a lot of other teams are going to feel this, or perform the same way and have similar numbers against those three teams, which I believe are in the top five, I believe, in points percentage, uh, points percentage in the entire NHL. So that means you really have to make hay. If you can't figure out against these three teams, it's those other four teams in the division you're going to have to do some damage against. And as we record here on um, Tuesday afternoon, Columbus put a couple of wins together, and now now they're back to within four points of uh, of the Blackhawks. You knew it was going to kind of be a give, a take, a, t- a tug of war here with some of the teams behind the Blackhawks having a sense of desperation now as, as they hit the back half of the season. And uh, now it's up to the Blackhawks to uh, to get things together enough where they're going to be able to hold on to this fourth playoff spot. Clearly not taking that second game against Florida hurts, but I also think you got to look at it as there were improvements from the game before, and there were still some things that Jeremy Colleton was pleased with and the team was pleased with. So, I mean, it, at least there is still some progression. I understand that, you know, the, the things that didn't go right and the, some of the things were that were the reason they lost were still there, but at least there is still some progression. There's some gradual linear movement going in the right direction. And as long as they can continue that, you would think that even if the effort that they put out on the ice on a certain day isn't exactly what they were hoping for, at least it could be good enough to disguise it to pull away one point or two points because that's kind of what they were able to do earlier. Yep. Two more games on this trip before they come home. Two against Florida. They will then see, uh, I believe, Nashville comes in and then uh, then they'll uh, wrap up that homestand, uh, six-game homestand against the Carolina Hurricanes, seeing uh, them once again. Uh, after we did our last podcast, which was uh, following that Sunday game against Tampa Bay, uh, Blackhawks take the ice two Mondays ago. And who comes out and joins them but Kirby Doc. And uh, pleasant sight to see. He wasn't doing everything, but he was doing enough things, especially with that surgically repaired wrist that gave you some reason for optimism. And uh, a couple days later, once the Blackhawks were on the road, the Blackhawks allowed him to uh, speak with uh, the media via Zoom. And... um, that's the only way we speak with they speak with yeah, right. these days. <laughs> I don't even need to clarify that right now until <laughs> until things change. But uh, here's here's a little bit of Kirby talking about uh, his initial reaction when the injury took place, uh, how he reacted emotionally, knowing that uh, what had been looking like perhaps a completely lost season at the time 
how he adjusted to that and uh, where things stand here in terms of the timetable, how he's feeling, what his limitations are as well. Uh, this is Kirby Doc, again, a couple of months uh, removed from wrist surgery and uh, providing a little bit of hope that the early portion of that return it was originally projected to be four to five months after that late December surgery, which, you know, the front end of that would be late April. Here we are in mid-March, uh, and perhaps there's an uh, opportunity for him to come back a little bit sooner than everyone expected. Here's Kirby Doc. It's good to be back. Uh, it's been a long time coming, obviously. Uh, I've been kind of doing my own thing for a little bit, so to kind of be around the group and be around the camaraderie with the guys, it's it's nice to kind of have that bit of it back but at the same time i know there's still a long road ahead that i need to get to 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 be able to play again obviously there's some movements and things like that in terms of mobility and strength that kind of restrict it but uh, the medical staff and uh, the doctors are doing a good job of monitoring that and making sure that we're taking all the right steps necessary to get me back to 100 percent. so when time comes for me to play there's there's no lingering issues obviously it's an upper body injury so i was able to kind of ride the bike and do things that way to keep my cardio levels up and kind of stay fit. But at the same time, I don't think there's anything like being in skating condition. So it was nice that the doctors uh, kind of let me skate when I was still casted up and um, kind of have those legs with me all the time. But at the same time, still trying to find my stride and uh, be confident out there. And I think that's going to take a little bit here just to trust it. Um, and then once I get back to that, I think uh, there, there won't be any problems. A little bit ahead of schedule, and I think that's a good thing. But at the same time, we got to be smart with it because uh, we don't want this issue for the long term and uh, kind of deal with it now. And hopefully, we can move on. And uh, I'm 100% for the rest of the career, uh, knock on wood. But um, I feel good. I don't think there's anything that really bothers it right now. It's just more so uh, getting my timing back and um, being being ready to play. It's the game of hockey. I could have got hurt in the summer skating with my buddies. Um, I don't have any regrets going to World Juniors, and I gotta say thank you to Stan and the management group and everybody that was involved in, in that decision to kind of let me go play. They didn't have to, but um, it's as a Canadian kid, you grew up dreaming about playing for that team, and uh, it was even better to kind of wear the C for that team and to see that group of guys go out there and battle every night. It was, it was tough sitting on the couch watching, knowing that I could be out there helping. But uh, I don't have any regrets going. And uh, once again, I just want to say thanks to, to Stan and the Blackhawks organization for giving me that opportunity. The doctors are happy with it where it is right now. I think uh, the the way he kind of said it to me and the way I took it was um, that if we take this time and, and make sure that our, we cross cross everything off our checklist, that you won't have any issues afterwards. So uh, we're slowly going through that right now and just trying to make sure to do everything right in the process and then uh, re reintegrate me into the team and start playing games i'm no contact just kind of going through it and making sure that it feels good with uh, shooting and passing and doing all that kind of stuff before we start doing battle drills and uh kind of gets caught that way but uh, it feels confident right now um i feel good with it it's just more uh, taking it day by day to to get back to that contact practice uh, well, when it first happens um you kind of just go back and I don't even know. It was really my wrist. I thought it was my hand or, or something with my thumb at first. And then uh, you kind of just look at the doc and just kind of tell him basically, hey, fix this so I can go out there the next shift and continue playing. And then um, once I really looked at it and took a second glance, uh, there's obviously something really wrong with it. And the doctors kind of crowded around me and we, we figured something out from there. But uh, it didn't really sink in until uh, the next day. I mean, you're on so many... Um, 
different things and, and painkillers and stuff to, to help you. So, uh, when you finally have a couple of days to re- relax, relax and, and rest, it really hits you that, uh, it's a long-term thing and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Being back with the group and, and skating, um, it feels good. Obviously there's uh, little bumps here and there and it gets sore, but at the same time, uh, the medical team does a good job of making sure that I'm doing, um, my exercises and rehabbing it just while, uh, while skating. So I feel good out there. Um, it's just more of a matter of time when it's right and, and fully healed hundred percent before I come back, I kind of get into a state where uh, it doesn't really get that sore and kind of obviously a contact practice, uh, hopefully in the, in the near future, but at the same time, there's, there's really no timeline, uh, for right now. I think Dr. Terry said at the beginning, it was four to five months. And, um, obviously the timeline's going to stay like that. And, um, we kind of hope to, to move it up a little bit, but that's on depending on how my body reacts and what goes on, uh, with the medical team as well. Uh, obviously Brent was, uh, was a huge impact on my career and, and my life so far. He's kind of like a second father to me and uh, taught me so much away from the rink. And uh, I can't thank him, uh, his wife, Dana, and his, his three kids, Carter, Kenzie, and, and Dylan, for allowing me to live with them and kind of be a part of their family. So uh, I got nothing but great things to say about Brent. Obviously, I think he's a hell of a player. And um, me personally, I think he deserves to be in the, the Hockey Hall of Fame, but uh, that's not for me to decide. But uh, the, the person he is away from the rink, the the things he does as a young guy, you can see he kind of brings the team together and he's that loud voice that brings the team up. So uh, we're, we're going to miss him. I know I'm going to miss him a lot, but at the same time, we, we keep in touch quite a bit. And that's, uh, that's somebody that's always been in my back corner. I, I know how hard Brent's worked uh, from his surgeries last year and saw him a little bit in the summer after the bubble and before the bubble. And uh, he looked in great shape and I was excited for him to come back and, and play and to kind of, live live together again and enjoy that because uh, obviously he's, he's really fun to play with he always had a great first pass and was able to get up in the play and produced offensively when needed to and I think he was such a key part of those teams that won cups here and um, for a young guy to, to see a guy like that go through everything he's gone through and not be able to return uh, it, it sucks but he always kept a smile on his face he was always positive and I know there there's times that weren't the best for him but uh, he was really good to me in those times too. I mean, it must've got a little bit annoying dealing with me every day and um, some of my questions, but he, he always made me feel welcomed. Great to see Kirby on the ice. He uh, did travel with the team. We'll continue to practice with the team for as much as he can. But again, for the time being, no contact, uh, still experiencing a little bit of soreness and um, it'll be, uh, they're still taking it conservatively, still saying, okay, he's projected for the end of April. But with what he's been able to do and uh, with uh, the way those young bones appear to be uh, healing a little bit uh, quicker than everyone expected, perhaps we'll see him you know, shortly after the calendar flips to April. And it would be like one of those trade deadline acquisitions, getting a guy like that uh, back with the Blackhawks and provide a little bit, certainly provide a boost uh, over the course of the last month as they try to remain in the playoff picture here. Well, we already know what type of work ethic that Kirby Doc has. We saw it last year in his first year. We saw him being able to 
you know, improve his game during quarantine rather than just maintain at the same level he had already come into the league with. So I, I, I don't have any doubt that whenever Kirby Doc comes back, he should be able to make an impact like he did last season. I, I don't I don't know. I don't think that's too high of an expectation to hold to the guy just because of what he's shown before. But yeah, I mean, what a shot in the arm it would be. It'd be like a trade acquisition yeah. if, if he just comes in and in late April and um you know like i was just saying earlier how how many aspects of the blackhawks game that they could use a guy like jonathan taves or kirby doc for right now hopefully they can still play at a consistent level and and hang around at least that four seed maybe work their way up i know that's a tall task but uh, if they're able to just hang around that four seed for the time being and get kirby doc in again i think i think a playoff run would be so beneficial for this team i i think it's still possible but uh, clearly, some things have to improve before some of the the faults that they've been on continue to decline. So now's the time to to turn it around. And unfortunately, it might be the toughest task and the the weediest part of the season right now, getting mm-hmm. through Tampa Bay and Florida again and Carolina. So so we'll see how they come out at the end of this kind of stretch. But um, if if they're able to just tread water and, and maybe do a little bit more, then, then that could be huge for this team and huge for Kirby Doc when and if he comes back. You know, when we went into this into this month, everyone was kind of talking. If they, if they just tread water here, maybe maybe have a 500-month, uh, you'd probably be very happy with that, with the way the teams below them have been struggling up until this point. Now it's a matter of holding the Columbuses and the Dallases and, and those, those teams at bay while uh, trying to hang on to that uh, fourth spot. So we'll see if Kirby Doc is able to push up that timeline from uh, late April to uh, perhaps a little bit sooner. Again, the trade deadline will be April 12th this year, and uh, depending on how the Blackhawks fare, uh, some interesting decisions that Stan Bowman may or may not have to take uh, make. Um, you know, Especially with the way some, some guys on one-year deals have performed. We've seen Carl Soderberg his play uh, improve, even though he got rocked a couple of days ago by Radko Gudis. Man, that was that was a <laughs> yeah. huge that was a huge hit. But Matthias Janmark, another one of those types of players that you like what they have been able to contribute. But those are also the type of players come trade deadline that other teams will be sniffing around at. And if you know some other desperate team wants to offer you a second round draft pick or something like that or a third round draft pick, Stan Bowman's going to have some decisions to make depending on where the Blackhawks are situated. So, uh, congrats on being back on the baseball. On the baseball Thank you. call. Thank you. And, uh, yes, uh, it's uh, good to be out in the uh, great outdoors. You can feel spring coming. It's March Madness. and Black Snow Hawk. is on the ground. Uh, uh, yes. Still a little <laughs> bit there. But uh, uh, as long as uh, it's not March Madness for Blackhawk fans, because uh, keep this in perspective. This is still a young team. They're going up in their toughest stretch of schedule here uh, against the uh, three of the very uh, involving three of the very best teams in the entire NHL. So, uh, we've said it all along. This is a, a season where we're just interested to see how they grow, how they react from things that they face o- over the course of uh, week to week, game by game, against opponents. This is still a really young roster. So we now proceed, and we'll bring you another podcast. We did four games between four games since our last one. Uh, we'll come back at you on uh, Monday the 22nd after these two games against Tampa Bay. We'll have a better grasp of uh, how that road trip went, whether they're able to salvage anything this time going into a, a very tough place to play the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And then they are welcomed back home by Joe Quenville and the Florida Panthers <laughs> once again on the, the 23rd and the 25th to start a six-game homestand. So for the podcast... 
as well as Ernie Scatton, the voice of this, uh, the true opening voice of uh, our Blackhawk 720 podcast, and our producer, Curtis Koch. We want to thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again uh, next Monday. We'll see how the Blackhawks fare after these two games against Tampa Bay. Uh, so uh, hopefully they'll, they'll come out with some points here against uh, the uh, defending Stanley Cup champs as they finish off the Florida trek of uh, this trip. For So for Joe, say goodbye, Joe. Goodbye, Bye. Joe. Bye, Joe. And uh, for Chris, goodbye, Chris. And for the podcast, we'll talk to you again on Monday. And uh, have yourself a great weekend, everyone. How about that? Hey, water. The Hawks win the Stanley Cup. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks 720 Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great.